Inside the Adventure, episode number 40 with Dave Williams. If you've ever been afraid to step outside your comfort zone, then you're in the right place. Inside the Adventure features incredible athletes and everyday people sharing their epic stories of pushing life to its limits. Get ready to be inspired, face your fears, and take action with your host, Marshall Mosier. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Inside the Adventure. This is your host, Marshall Mosher, and today we're going to hear the story of how Dave Williams fell in love with a lifestyle of travel and adventure and the impact that's had on his success as a serial entrepreneur, CEO, and startup investor. Dave has had some pretty incredible experiences, from rafting roaring rapids in Africa, scuba diving along the Great Barrier Reef, nightclubbing in Ibiza, to walking the Camino de Santiago in Spain twice. Through all of this, Dave Williams truly lives for life experiences, and today he shares the story of why those experiences were crucial steps in making him a better entrepreneur. From the dot-com days to navigating a recession, Dave has endured the cycles of entrepreneurship for nearly 20 years. He created, led, and exited two successful startups, 360i and Blink Media, and now serves as an angel investor, advisor, mentor through global adventures, and more, and most frequently founded his latest startup called Nomad X, a brilliant way to share his passion for travel and entrepreneurship with all those brave enough to take the first step. And while all of this may seem like a lot, there's really one simple underlying mindset, one key approach to life that's created the success of his story. This is that story. Uh, my background as an entrepreneur and adventure traveler, um, I, I really started as an entrepreneur very young at age, even having my first grade, having a, uh, a lawn service business <laughs> with some friends. Uh, and that was kind of short lived, but raking leaves and gardening. And I've just been sort of an entrepreneur my whole life. Um, and it really wasn't until probably I was in my thirties, I really got into sort of adventure travel and exploration. So I'm, I'm a kind of a late bloomer from that perspective. How old were you when you started that first landscaping business? Uh, that was like first grade. So you know, dating all the way back. Right? How did you, how do you get started with that? What was the inspiration? For oh it? man, we had some, uh, neighborhood friends and, one of my buddies who ended up going to MIT being like number one in his class. Uh, we were really good friends. And we just had this idea. We wanted to start a company and make some money and just very entrepreneurial kids and created a flyer and passed them out around the neighborhood and got some jobs. But it was it was funny. My grandfather saved the flyer because he thought it was, it was very interesting. But you know, I read some books um, kind of early on in the day, just little things that kind of inspired me to be an entrepreneur. But I think it's just been sort of in my genes since the beginning, um, and even had businesses while I was in college, window washing, and this is all like pre-internet. Uh, and then I went to go work at Price Waterhouse after graduating from Washington and Lee University, and did the CPA work for a couple years, and just really uh, didn't like that a whole lot. Um, so that was really my motivation to do something different, and ended up coming down here to Atlanta to go to the Emory Guizetta Business School, uh, where I studied mostly focused on marketing, but this was back 96, 97 when the internet was really getting started, at least from a commerce perspective, and just really fell in love with the internet and the opportunity that presented um, and really kind of just focused everything I was doing around that at the time. Um, and once I graduated, I worked at IBM for about a year. And then in 1998, I started a company called 360i, uh, which essentially is a digital marketing advertising 
company. Uh, we grew that through the dot-com era. We had a big fallout post-dot-com, lost like 80% of our customers. And then um, we, we decided to really refocus the business around the search marketing space. We saw that search had been like a big performer for our clients. So we shifted the business from being more of a broad digital agency that was really focused on just driving conversions and driving awareness for brands. We weren't building websites. And that was really kind of the key difference for us at the time versus the IXLs and some of these big web development shops here in Atlanta. We were really focused on driving traffic and driving conversions. And we saw search was really kind of a big lever for that. Um, and this was really when Google was really first getting started. I mean, they weren't really a part of the equation. When we started in 98. We're kind of doing search before Google, I guess. Um, and then so Google in, copied you guys, right? Uh, I don't know about that, but we were one of the first agencies to buy ads from Google in the whole country. So I, I met up with Google, I guess, a few years later. You know, they told me, well, you guys were like the first agency to actually buy ads from us. So wow. we were pretty innovative at the time. Yeah, we saw that it really worked well. Um, and then after that, we started another company called Search Ignite uh, with a guy here in town, Roger Barnett, who had been a big dot-com entrepreneur. And that was really focused around the, the ad tech side of, of search. So we... We had a technology platform called Search Ignite where we place and optimize large volumes of ads across the search engines. Um, and we combined those two companies back in uh, 2004, and then we sold both companies in 2005. Um, so in 2005, after we sold the companies, that was when I really started getting into traveling and becoming more adventurous. And you know, my, my pathway is a little bit from, you know, I didn't grow up doing this stuff. I grew up in Wilmington, Delaware. We didn't really have any mountains and you know, it just I grew up more at the country club playing tennis, I'd say, than than really spending much time in the outdoors. But my wife, she's from Lima, Peru, and her she always was big into the outdoors. So when we got married, she was the one that we went on hikes and we started doing some traveling. And so she was kind of my inspiration. I call myself I'm her Sherpa. I just get her there and back alive. And so we've done a lot of really cool, adventurous travel. And after we sold 360i, I saw that as a great way to kind of really take a break from the office and get out, get into the outdoors and uh, kind of disconnect from the day-to-day routines. And I think what I found from that was just a great way to kind of just really kind of digest everything that I've been taking on, a great way to get away from the office and a great way just to kind of empower the employees back at the office to, you know, to work while I was away. Um, And then we continue to do that. We take a couple weeks off at a time, do some big adventures that we've been to Norway, we've hiked the Tour de Mont Blanc, we've bicycled through Vietnam, we've done all these great trips. Um, and then in, after we exited completely, when I left 360i in 2007, we took a year off and just traveled the world, um, Vietnam, China, all over the place. Um, and we got back, I was kind of inspired to start a new company, which was the Blink Media business, which was our social media ad tech company. Uh, we launched that one in 2008 and did the same thing, just continued to travel, take a couple weeks off here and there. Um, and we eventually sold that company in 2012. Um, I left the company in 2013 and then took a whole year off just to travel ex- extensively. Um, and after the first year of doing that, I, I realized, you know, this was like I felt like I just finished my freshman year or something. I was just kind of really getting into it. So my wife and I, we basically have just been traveling since then. So it's was been that, about four years. Was now. that really the first experience that you had with an extensive amount of travel? And how did that impact your life at the time? Right. Well, I think the first one was really in 2007 after I exited and left at 360 permanently, 360i permanently. And um, were you with Jen at that point? Did yeah. So Jen and I got married in 2003. Okay. So, so um, did she kind of uh, inspire you to kind of slowly get into that type of lifestyle even right. before you left from uh, Definitely. 360i? Yeah. So she was, you know, I, I before we met, I would 
you know, I was playing Alta tennis every weekend and playing USTA and I'd be over at the, the tennis courts playing doubles tennis with all my buddies and hitting the gym and kind of that sort of lifestyle, more of a modern sort of lifestyle. And then I realized, you know, that was really great and I love it. I'm starting to get back into that again. But um, in terms of Jen didn't want to go out and watch the matches every weekend. And so I figured you would kind of mix it up a little bit. Um, you know, and, and being from Georgia, there's some, some interesting things you can do around here, but we also love just kind of exiting the state and doing these sort of extreme adventures in different places throughout the world. And she kind of exposed me through that through, you know, and we, at the time we were doing programs, even through companies like REI, uh, one of my friends runs uh, Southern Explorations in South America. So we were doing sort of group travel and we liked that, but that kind of gave us a taste of what was out there. And so we've kind of evolved our sort of adventure travel experiences since then. We're kind of more independent. You know, I think a lot of people may go in the reverse direction, but we've kind of taken that. And it's just really, I, f- I felt like a lot of the, the big um, breakthroughs that I've had have been a result of spending time away from the office, doing things outside, even just going for walks, going for hikes, just getting out there and, you know, really got into snowboarding. And, you know, we just got back from a big trip. We just spent five months crossing the country and spent about a month and a half in Colorado. We were up in Wyoming and then up in Canada and Whistler. And we just, we just finished up down in Venice beach. We were there for about a month playing paddle tennis with all the locals and bums and whoever was showing up at the courts. But we just really like it. You know, like the kind of the, the people that do it, I think are really neat and interesting. It's a very natural environment. And just to see kind of nature, you know, as God sort of meant it to be. And just it was, it's been sort of very inspiring for me to have these sort of, you know, this connection that I, maybe I didn't have before. Mm-hmm. You've, you've talked a lot um, about the importance, especially for entrepreneurs, to branch out, go try new things, travel to new places, and have those types of uh, out-of-your-comfort-zone experiences. How did those types of experiences in your travels affect your success in business um, even before you started traveling more success, uh, more um, uh, extensively after exiting from your last company? Right. Well, I think it's easy to kind of get into ruts and get into routines. And I think especially once people start working a lot, um, it's difficult to get away for really extended periods of time. So to be able to kind of have something where you're really able to remove yourself from your own, your typical day-to-day environment I think is really critical to having these these breakthroughs. I always feel that you're not going to have any breakthroughs breakthroughs sitting in front of your you know desktop or your laptop or now your smartphone. It's just very very difficult. It's distracting, and you can't really get into any sort of deep mental thought. Um, whereas I feel that getting out into the wilderness, exposing yourself in those environments, meeting other people that like those sorts of things is a great way to kind of disconnect from your day to day. Um, and so I think like for me, I've had a sort of great experience with it. And, it. and I think with all the technology and stuff these days, too, it just makes it a lot more accessible to people. Whereas in the past, you know, sometimes going out there can be intimidating, trying to find your trail and getting lost in the woods or whatever might be happening. I think nowadays with all the technology, it just makes all of the adventure travel just a lot more accessible, much easier to find out information about it, much easier to find if you're looking for guides or whatever it might be. Just the whole thing is just a sort of, and it matches very well, I think, with entrepreneurship. So, you know, from a corporate perspective, I think there's a lot of benefits um, you know, smaller companies and large companies. But I think as an entrepreneur and as the CEO of a company, a lot of it comes down to, for me, it was more about getting sort of becoming comfortable, being uncomfortable is what I like to say. So you know, getting into a new environment, learning how to scuba dive, learning how to snowboard, climbing tall peaks, you know, nothing sort of extreme, but, you know, I've, I've done the Kilimanjaro and some other things. 
but just to get into that sort of ex- expose yourself to things you're not normally around and then to come back and feel that confidence make it back to the office that you know, this whatever you have is not insurmountable and i always like to use it sort of as a as a kind of metaphor for life and in entrepreneurship especially as you get higher up in your career it's like you're summiting the peaks i call it summiting the peaks of entrepreneurship but you know, a lot of it's not only getting up to the peak but then the next stage is coming down and as you know sometimes getting up to the top's not as hard as actually getting down so i think for for entrepreneurs that holds true as well absolutely so when something happens in uh in the workplace that you think is this big deal you relate it back to well if wasn't as bad as that time on Mount Kilimanjaro <laughs> right. when this happened. Exactly. Kind of gives you that mindset of you can overcome any obstacle that might come up, right? Right. And especially in a startup environment where you have a team of three or four people or five people or ten people, and all of a sudden you realize one or two people on the team really isn't performing the way you'd like them to. You know, I think it's just you, you have to take an approach where you're, you know, with these people. They're the ones that are going to help get you to the top if you feel that they're not going to be there and support you and they're not adding to the program. I mean, sometimes you just have to you let people go, which is kind of a tough thing to do. And a lot of people don't have that experience um, in the corporate world because you get stuck kind of holding on to employees longer than you'd like to. But I think, you know, in entrepreneurship, it's you know, if it's not working out, you kind of let them go immediately. Um, and then also, you know, being with that team and kind of understanding what it takes to kind of take the business to the next level. It's really sort of uh, you know, getting out in the outdoors, getting uncomfortable, having those experiences, and then we'd also try and expose a lot of people at our company to these experiences, whether it's rafting trips or going for hikes or going out on you know, signing up for biking events where you know, bike 10 or 12 miles, nothing severe. But it's just funny to see how different people adapt to these different environments. And I think the exposure to that is like super valuable. And so I know it's been super valuable to me, but then also for the employees and especially from a bonding perspective as well. Right. To talk a little bit more about that bonding perspective, how do you think it helps people to come together and form relationships? Um, I think like anytime you're kind of take, getting people outside of the office and you're bringing them together in an environment that they're not completely comfortable with, you're kind of catching them with their guard down and you can kind of see how they react and they respond to that kind of environment. And to the extent it builds confidence, to the extent they're concerned, a lot of times they're afraid, you know, they might think they can't do it. They're afraid to get out and go on a whitewater rafting trip. But then usually those people that were most afraid to start with are the ones that actually have the best time at the end of the day. So we've just found that, you know, exposing people to things that they haven't necessarily been a part of in their past, you know, kind of builds an appreciation for that as well as allows the team members to really kind of bond together in a sort of a unique environment that's not going out for drinks or going out for another dinner or whatever it might be. Exactly. A little bit different from right. the norm. Right. So I know that's like you, your business is really focused on that. Um, so I just think like, you know, from my perspective, it's like, I always wish there was a company like Vestico, but we were kind of creating this stuff on our own. Right. Um, so I'm a big advocate for it. Absolutely. And you were so successful in entrepreneurship with your two companies. Did you use that mindset to factor into the company culture of the companies that you built? Yeah, definitely. Um, especially as we're launching in new cities, whether it's in New York or launching in London and these different places. Um, we did try to include not only our employees, but we'd invite clients to do stuff with us as well. Um, just find it as a great bonding experience really for everyone. Um, and, you know, not everyone always is like super, it may not be in their wheelhouse of what they normally do, but we just found that as from a company perspective and as sort of an innovative company and always trying to kind of take things to the next level, uh, we wanted to do stuff that was unique. We didn't want to have all of our events just geared around drinking beer or cocktails or doing shots of tequila kind of thing, which is great, but it also, you know, it changes people. And at the end of the day, you spend a lot of money at the bar they come home. You don't even remember really what happened the night before, you know. 
So we just found this is just a better way to connect with the people in a very natural environment and sort of and really connect with who they are naturally versus intoxicated, I guess. Absolutely. You've done such a great job of balancing your professional time commitment with taking the opportunities personally to travel and experience these things. In your opinion, what's the best way to go about having that balance? Mm -hmm. I think you just got to make time for it. I mean, for me, it was just taking these trips uh, during periods when the business was slow. So, uh, you know, specifically like in our industry around the Christmas through the beginning of New Year was always slow. Um, Obviously, March timeframe is slow with the holidays. And then you have like, you know, Memorial Day, Labor Day, Fourth of July. So my wife and I, you know, even when things got really busy, we'd always try and take at least like 10 days, ideally two weeks. Um, I really feel like, you know, a week just isn't long enough, Um, especially if you want to do more adventurous travel. We like to get in, be able to experience the city, go out and sort of experience things that you just can't get, you can't pay to get to necessarily. So we like to go to places where it's like, it's great to go in and see Paris, but it's also like to be able to take the tour to Mont Blanc, like 110 kilometer hike. You know, around Mont Blanc is just something very unique. And then when you come back to the city, you have sort of a totally different appreciation for it and just kind of really sort of opens your mind and allows you to like almost like detoxify all these thoughts that you've had and just think about things and clear your mind in a way you just can't sitting on a beach drinking margaritas or whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. It sounds like you've had some really incredible travel experiences with your wife, Jen, and that she was such a large inspiration in helping you to adopt this lifestyle. What was the story of how you guys met? Uh, well, we met here in Atlanta and late one night or one morning, I guess, um, down in a nightclub at 1150. So that was back in like October of 2002. And, uh, we're both just really into the electronic music. There was a big kind of Doc Martin DJ event going on. And I guess we just bumped into each other. My buddy used to call them bump bars because you just bump around and see what happens. <laughs> so anyway, I met Jen and then that was it. And we got married like eight months later. Oh, wow. That's incredible. What was the effect that meeting Jan had on your life? Right. Uh, I mean, she is really, I guess she doesn't, she doesn't really, she's not cookie cutter in any way. So I think, and she's from Peru. So it's like, she kind of brings this sort of, uh, you know, sort of interesting perspective on things. Her dad was a big explorer adventurer. Um, She's actually an Irish Peruvian. So her, her relatives uh, came down to Peru in the early 1800s and fought for the independence of Peru and, Chile and Argentina. Um, and so I think Jen is like a reincarnation of that generation. Um, and she really, you know, she loves the adventure. She doesn't necessarily want to sit idle. And she's, I say, unless she's got, she's got, she got injured, she's not having a good time. So for her, a lot about just getting out there, having fun. And usually when we're having a lot of fun, sometimes we get you know, <laughs> some bruises and cuts once in a while, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's like our our tattoos from the adventures. Exactly. If you don't come back with a couple battle scars, then it wasn't a good, uh, <laughs> right. good enough experience. Exactly. Right? You know, flipping over the handlebars in Vietnam or whatever it might be. You know? Well, speaking of that, do you have any stories of, um, of experiences uh, or adventures you've been on that there were uh, you know, tough things that happened uh, that you had to get through flipping over the handlebars? Mm-hmm. And, and how did you push through the, uh, the obstacles that came up? Sure. Oh, well, that's a good one. We've, we've every one of these adventures sort of has its own challenges and excitement along the way. Um, we really loved hiking Mount Kilimanjaro. I thought that was like a great experience. I mean, I was coming out of Delaware and Georgia. I think the tallest mountain I'd hiked up to that point was Kennesaw Mountain. So I really didn't know what I was in for, but it was definitely that was very strenuous, and especially as you're going up and 
trying to, uh, you know, summit the mountain uh, in the middle of the night. Like I definitely wasn't ready for that. So I think the getting to the point of actually getting the point where we're actually going to summit and then realizing we had to do that during the middle of the night after already hiking like all day, it was like Why very, very intense. Is that um, the normal way? That yeah. Well, I think it's just the, the, uh, I guess the, it's a volcano. So the, the rock on the volcano during the day, uh, during night, it's hard cause it's kind of frozen. And as it starts to heat up during the day, it's just very hard to climb. So it's just, it's almost like trying to climb in sand, but just smaller, smaller rocks. I forget what they, they call it, but the technical term is, um, but yeah, climbing up at night and then with the altitude was very significant. And then just not really mentally knowing how, what to expect. I think it was extremely challenging. And then my wife, she was, I've never seen her scared before, but then she was like really getting in her head. She was like, I was worried for her. I didn't know if she was going to make it. And so I, what I found is that, you know, that just that whole experience of just having that concern at altitude, it affects you so much differently than, than when you're at kind of sea level. So what I've learned over time is I really love the high altitude. I think it's like, it's a great experience to get up at really high altitudes and hike and kind of exert yourself because you know it's much more difficult and mentally you've just got to be very calm and cool and it's like a business setting where you're in a meeting and stuff's happening you got to kind of hold yourself back i think up at that altitude and you're hiking with another person that you care a lot about too it's a different experience i think than hiking it alone so we kind of learned a lot on that experience um, we've also done some long distance hiking having hiked the camino de santiago which was a totally different experience because we're hiking, let's say, 20 miles a day, and it was a little, it wasn't as, as high altitude, it was a little bit flatter. And just the day after day after day after day, you know, 30, 40 plus days. Is that where is, in Chile? No, that's uh, northern Spain. So it's oh. an old pilgrimage. Uh, it's an old Spanish pilgrimage uh, that's become more and more popular. Um, the pilgrimage can really start anywhere in Europe or anywhere in Spain, but most people start in uh, on the kind of the, in the Pyrenees right outside of France and hike all the way through the northern coast and then finish in, uh, in Santiago where they have a big ceremony and then people even continue on to Finisterre which is uh, kind of the, the kind of used to be considered the edge of the, the world kind of thing and the pilgrims burn all of their clothes and you know, give away their shoes and kind of put everything behind them at that point. So having sort of this pilgrimage experience, I love the high altitude hiking but the pilgrimage is very interesting, you meet some just amazing people um, the opportunity to do long distance hiking, I think it's just sort of an incredible physical and mental experience. Um, so we really enjoyed that. We've actually done that a couple of times. And that's kind of one of the motivators for us. Move, we're actually moving to uh, Portugal soon. Um, after we finished the Camino, we actually ended up hiking down and through Portugal into Porto. And so we love the idea of like hiking to places or hiking into cities. It's just so much different than arriving by car. It's just you really get a good feel for the city, hiking through the suburbs into the main city versus getting just dropped off by a taxi or something. So it's sort of an incredible experience, but we, we love it all. I mean, we've, we've also done some rafting on the Zambezi down through Africa, which was amazing. We really enjoyed that and just kind of getting to meet, you know, some of the, lo- and the part about it too, is you really get to meet a part of the local culture. Um, whereas when you go to the cities, it's great, but this day and age, all the cities kind of seem the same. Everyone's going to work and then they're coming home from work and they're drinking and, they're all kind of caught up in their jobs, but I think really getting out there on the fringes of all of this, you really get a taste of the local culture in a way you just can't in a major city. So we always like kind of combining those two things. Has that effect of being able to see so many different cultures and meet so many people from different perspectives um, changed the way that you approach life, business, and the world as well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's like it really opens your mind up. It kind of really kind of 
I'm not really, I guess to the extent, I mean, you want to be smart about what you do, but to the extent you're not afraid of adventure. I'm not afraid of starting companies. I like actually seek that out. It's like in my DNA. So I think it's just getting, as you get more comfortable kind of being out there and exposing yourself to a lot of different people, um, that has like a kind of a, a big effect on your comfort level, just dealing with sort of a variety of situations. Um, and the biggest thing for me was like when we actually, as we've been traveling and being gone for so long, because you're not seeing your friends on a regular basis or your family, um, how to kind of connect with people or understand people, even though you're just meeting them for the first time. And so you know, for me, like my big sort of realization was that as many of the people I met, no matter what color they are, if they're Asian or if they're African or wherever they're from, um, you know, the, all the person at the core personalities really aren't that much different. I mean, the culturally, they might be different. The language they speak might be different. But as I met people, I'd really be able to kind of associate a person that I met with a friend that I have back home or someone I knew back home. And so I was using that a lot just to even just connect with people as I've been traveling to kind of really be able to kind of quickly understand and relate them and associate them with other people. And I just found like that was sort of a big turning point for me in terms of how I would engage with people and meet people and just kind of my overall perspective on life. Absolutely. It's really fascinating to hear that even with so many different cultures and different experiences, those 16 personality types and the Myers-Briggs or whatever, right. the personality tests you take are, are very much the same. In different cultures right. Like well, I mean, you kind of think about it. When you take those tests, you kind of think everyone's an American and you're kind of just associated with that. But it really does apply to anyone anywhere. And so I think my realization is that all people are generally pretty much the same. You know, there's a, a few, there's some different models and they might look different and stuff, but in the inside, there's only so many differences. And obviously they have different educations, they have different upbringings, different family environments, different things. But at the core, you know, people are generally pretty much the same in terms of what their interests are. I mean, they're all going to work every day. They've got to eat, they've got to go to the bathroom, <laughs> you know, so everyone's kind of living a very sort of similar existence. Um, and for Jen and I, a lot of that is like we want to break out of just that routine of the city life and really experience what is life like or what did life used to be like 500 years ago. And so that's what we really enjoy is going to places where we can see that, whether it's like especially places like Morocco and really getting up in the High Atlas Mountains and seeing the way the Berbers live and stay with the Berbers. Like that's what we love to do is just kind of seeing, you know, seeing kind of seeing the way people lived and kind of reflecting on it where it's. In my mind, if anything ever happens to the earth, these are the people that are going to be the survivors anyway. Okay. <laughs> All us technology folks, we're not going to know what to do, you know. <laughs> Once the technology stops working out. Right. Yeah, we're, we're in trouble. So, <laughs> right, exactly. yeah, I've enjoyed kind of meeting people like that and just seeing how simple life can be and how happy you can be just living a very simple life. Absolutely. Um, well, with all of your travels, um, since exiting your last company, I know that you've spent uh, a lot of time mentoring and advising entrepreneurs and a bit of the younger generation um, that's uh, trying to do similar things. What is the importance of mentorship to you and how has that affected your career? Mm-hmm. Well, I think I mean, I've, I've started a couple, I've started a few companies um, and I've really enjoyed it. But I think what I enjoyed most was really the early stages. So zero to 20 employees. Um, and the, I guess the really the fun part about it is no one really knows what they're doing and everyone's on the same team together. So it could be the youngest person to the oldest person. It's like I grew up playing soccer. So it's like for me, it just reminded me of being on the soccer field. You know, as the companies get big, then you've got the JV and you've got people who are sitting on the bench and stuff. But I really like it when kind of everyone's on the field together. And, you know, a lot of times the older guys um, that I've worked with are super smart and they're very accomplished. Um, and I've enjoyed that, but you know, as they get further along in their careers with their families and, 
you know, it, it's, and they can also, the younger people I think are a lot more coachable. And then, you know, in terms of the stage of life they're at, I feel like there's a lot more that I can do to kind of help them with their careers. Um, and so the sort of, some of my best experiences have just been sort of working with the younger folks in the office. Um, and then that just kind of carries over into the mentorship um, and also just my love for entrepreneurship. So I know how hard it is to be an entrepreneur. So I also know, you know, most entrepreneurs don't succeed, um, which is kind of unfortunate. But, you know, it's like it's like climbing Everest or something. Not everyone's going to make it to the top. But you can still make it to base camp, you know. So anyone can kind of make it to base camp. So what I'm trying to do is basically I'm not trying to take them to the top. I'm just trying to get them to base camp, I guess, and get build their confidence in what they're doing. And so when they and make sure they have the right team when they are trying to summit to the top, you know, and help them just through some of these issues they run into along the way. Um, I tell them I'm just helping them dodge icebergs pretty much, you know, because eventually I mean, these guys are great and they're kind of thinking in the moment. But what is it that's coming next and helping them see what might be ahead so they can they can adjust accordingly. Um, and so right now I've been helping with some mentorship. I went back to Washington and Lee University, which is where I graduated from. I spent two months there last year just helping students get jobs. Um, helping them start companies. And then the most recent company that I just launched, Nomad X, um, N-O-M-A-D, and then Capital X, um, starting actually with a couple, two Generation Z entrepreneurs that are uh, w- that I met at Washington LA. So it's like, that's where I get, I think, most fulfillment, excitement, and plus they're just much harder working about than the older guys. So that I just, just from being around them, I can I can probably work till about half time and then they're, they're good to kind of close things out. But you know, these guys can work 20 hours a day and they're ready to go the next day. Whereas for me, I'm getting a little older. So I like the idea of being the, the mentor, you know, kind of helping them just launch their careers much faster and then hopefully, you know, really working out for everyone. And if it doesn't, you know, at least we've tried the best we could. You know? Absolutely. Well, speaking of Nomad X, give us a brief overview of what you're up to. Oh, Sure. Um, well, I guess coming off all these travels, especially over the last four years, and even dating back to the the full year we took, the time we took off back in 2007, really just seeing a complete change in how people travel. So, you know, 2007, really without smartphones, it was more flip phones, and yeah, we had you know laptops, but Wi-Fi connections weren't really that great. Um, and then all the apps and stuff really didn't exist. I mean, apps are pretty much a, a newer thing. Um, and so when Jen and I left in 2013 and we started traveling, we just see and using the smartphones, whether it's just navigating, getting information, translation of languages, whatever it might be, we just seen like the, the world's completely changed. And we've met some very interesting people along the way. But one of the, as I've been traveling, it's just, you know, the, and we've gone on some of these trips with REI or Southern Exploration and different companies. But really, I think ultimately for the, the traveler to be able to have kind of a direct connection into these different markets and experience the markets almost as if you're a local, not as a tourist. And so I think that's the big change happening is that, especially with that, and then you've also got this, you know, smartphones and connectivity and all of the remote work that's, that's available and freelancers and now all these kind of location independent entrepreneurs, or they call them digital nomads these days. Although I don't think everyone really connects with the word digital nomad. Uh, but as I was traveling, I was really seeing that there's a big need or a big opportunity as the future of work really changes and people are kind of untethered from having to work in one place or one location. Um, the ability to even just take shorter term trips, but to do it in a way where you're really connected with the local culture. So the idea behind it is that we're going to be taking people on minimum 30 day long trips um, into different countries. We're launching the program in Lisbon, Portugal, which is where Jen and I are moving to. And we want to. We're going to be renting Air, Airbnb apartments. It's going to be shared apartments. 
We have a setup at the top incubator in town. When they arrive, they get their SIM cards, all the Wi-Fi set up for them, the top Wi-Fi connections in their apartments, and then having some social programs that are built around it, as well as different excursions and adventures that they can go on. So we want to have you know, bucket list items as well. So instead of rocking in as a tourist for a week or two and just scrambling to get the tourist stuff done, we really want people to live in the culture, experience the culture, work in the culture, and then be able to have these kind of excursions in the area to more extreme kind of bucket list items, whether it's diving out of planes or doing kite surfing or whether it's heading down to Morocco for a bit or whether it's heading up in hiking segments of the Camino or, or flying into Amsterdam or whatever it might be. Um, getting around Europe is just very inexpensive these days. There's flights for like less than $50 or heading into Ibiza for a weekend. Just having these experiences you just can't have as a tourist. And then by the time you leave, you know the person that works at the local cafe or who's your barista you know, at the coffee shop or your local bartender and just really getting to know and connect with people. And that's the one thing Jen and I have really enjoyed with our travels is we typically try and stay at least a month or two in locations. We found that a month is really the ideal minimum amount of time. Two months, I'd say, is around the ideal maximum amount of time. We really feel like you're, you're kind of really a part of that. You really feel like you've, you've kind of adopted to that culture and you understand it in a way you just can't as a tourist. And people treat you a lot differently after you're there longer than a week or two. So we want to expose people around the world to this that aren't just digital nomads, but people that, that have the ability to do this. They're just maybe a little afraid to go out on their own and do it. Maybe the same thing you're doing with the, the corporations is exposing people to things that are right there in their backyard, but they may not go out and do it. If it's up to them. We're trying to do the same thing for people with the future of work. And the ideal situation is, you know, if people want to travel the world and take off, um, whether it's for a month or two months or three months, uh, we're going to be launching in Portugal. The ideal situation, we're, we're launching over three months, but ideally we're going to stay there year-round. So really building our brand around the Lisbon uh, culture. And then as we head into next year, we want to launch the programs in other cities throughout the world. So the ideal situation, we'd be in like 12 cities next year. Um, we also want to, so we're kind of starting with the trips, but we, we see this almost like a big funnel almost where there's, as we kind of head, as we head up into the funnel, we're going to have the trips at the bottom of the funnel. Above that, we're going to have uh, spaces at different incubators throughout the world. So if we're here at the Tech Village, for example, we might have a Nomad X space here. So the digital nomads have a place that they can come work, other digital nomads they can hang out with, but then plus get a chance to meet all the other locals that are there too. Um, and then up from there, we plan to have a membership base where it's a free membership and paid membership where they get access to a lot of different services, discounts on apps, um, discounts on trips, discounts on access to the incubators, um, and eventually just have a big uh, kind of content play as well. Um, so we're kind of starting with the trips. We can see there's a demand for that right now. And then as we grow the business and we get investment, we kind of expand, expand into other areas. Um, ultimately, we'd love to own our own real estate as well. So if we start seeing the success, we're going to be buying real estate in different markets um, and really using it as a kind of almost like a real estate play. Um, so instead of renting the places and then subleasing them, um, actually owning our own real estate across the world and different markets and having really kind of solidified operations in different places. So when people come with us, it's going to be different than going on a program like with remote year where they're having to travel with the same people for a whole year. If you're coming with us, you have a lot of flexibility in where you want to go. Um, and so I think that's like, you know, very desirable. And plus we're going to be there full time where some of these programs like Hackers Paradise, they're great, but they're in and out of the cities. Like we really want to be established, really know a lot about the location, have those local people that are working for us, have all the connections and just deliver like an excellent kind of localized experience for people. You mentioned earlier that there's a lot of people, especially in the future, that will have the ability to 
work like this, but still might have a large uh, uh, mental hurdle of being able to um, say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. It's going to be different. It's going to be maybe outside of my comfort zone, but I'm going to give it a shot. What advice would you give to people that are wanting to take a step like this, but might be a little bit scared to get started? Yeah, man, I think it's just one of those things where it's, it's like starting a company. <laughs> you can talk about it, but you haven't really, you're not an entrepreneur until you actually do it. So I think with this, you know, the digital nomad lifestyle may not be for everyone, but you want to be out and just, I mean, the ultimate digital nomad lifestyle is to not own an apartment and have everything in a storage unit and just be traveling the world. I'm not promoting that everyone should do that. Maybe that's where some people end up for a period of time. But I think generally just having these these kind of opportunities to sort of rejuvenate yourself in a way you just can't from a normal week-long vacation, I think it's just super important. And it's like if you want to have personal breakthroughs, you want to have these sort of different cultural experiences, it's just very difficult to do that in the way most people live and work in the modern age. So I think having these experiences and then bringing that back to your, your work or bringing it back to your entrepreneurship experiences, um, I think the main thing is just get out and give it a try. I mean, as long as if you're, you've been working in a company for three or five years and they you want to retain you, you know, ask them if you can do it. I think it's like companies are open to the ideas these days. And especially if you're a freelancer or I have guys that are like insurance sales guys, and one of my good buddies here in Atlanta, he's going to be coming with us. Or I have a, another friend that was on the board of directors with me at the Search Engine Marketing Association. He was in charge of all of Global out of Italy. He's coming on the trip. He's a big Burning Man guy, for example. So it's like you get some really interesting people that are, that are doing this stuff. And I think there's also a lot of opportunity to kind of share experiences with each other and share learning. So one guy um, that's coming on the, friend, on the trip, hopefully, is my friend Mike Matassa who's a big video production guy and he works out in San Francisco and LA and does like stuff for Uber and all the top brands of the top agencies. Well, he wants to come on the trip, help educate people how to do that. We've got another person that's interested in coming, uh, Jessica Geist, who used to live here in Atlanta, was in New York and now in LA, but she wants to come out and do professional coaching for people, for executives and do like hypnotherapy. So we're planning to have some like hypnotherapy sessions. We just want like you know, really bring interesting people where they can share their expertise with others. If you guys were to come, I mean, obviously that would be awesome or you know, I think there's a lot of opportunities even between the two companies as you guys grow and expand. But we just want like interesting, neat people. But it, you know, it, mostly people that are entrepreneurial, people that want to have a great time. We're not looking for people that are just going to be looking to party all the time. There's other programs that are good for that, and they can go to the hostels, they can get their own rooms. But we really want people that are there with a the work focus, but want this kind of live, work, explore kind of mentality. Absolutely. What do you think? What effect do you think doing something like this when you were young would have had on yourself, both personally and professionally? Right. I mean, I think, well, most of my breakthroughs have come when I've actually gotten out of the comfort zone. I think if I had stayed in Wilmington, Delaware, where I, all the people I'd gone to high school with and worked at one of the local companies or started my own business, it would have been sort of a totally different career trajectory for me. I think it wasn't until I really came here to Atlanta and didn't know anyone and I was going to some place by myself. I think that's really when you have the biggest breakthroughs. Or even in my last company, when we moved the company to New York City, and within two weeks, my wife and I completely moved everything up to New York, got an unfurnished apartment, got a small office there, like the ATV. We were like basically in an inside cage in the office, and we grew the company. And so I think just you know, going on these trips and having these experiences, I just feel that all the breakthroughs I've had personally have been a result of kind of putting myself in a situation where it's like I'm out of my comfort zone and seeing how I – and most people, I think, generally are very – adapt to the situation you know it's a human nature we adapt to what's around us so i think generally if you put yourself in that situation yeah you might be uncomfortable for the first week or something comes up along the way 
that's all a part of growing. You know, you're going to have these amazing experiences. You might have some periods where you feel like a little bit, you're not sure exactly what's going on, but that just means you're growing. You know, it's the same thing probably with your trips. You see people get out there and they're a little uncomfortable or a little nervous, or maybe there's afraid of bears or insects or whatever it might be. But by the time they're done the trip, they're like, wow, I totally overcame all of that. It wasn't a concern. It was just stuff that was in my head. Absolutely. Yeah. So, it really points out the fact that it's all mental. Right. To overcome that mental hurdle, you can do anything. Right. Yeah. Super and, mental. So I think if, and that applies to entrepreneurship because you're always out there. It's like I say, it's like walking in the dark I and mean, you're an entrepreneur. I mean, you don't know what's around the corner. So it's like the more experience you have doing that, the better off you're going to be. Absolutely. That's so true. Well, you've given so much great advice, but if you could go back and tell an 18 year old version of yourself one thing, what would it be? Well, I think especially when you're younger, you know, I, I, uh, I, well, I mean, I think it mostly it's just to pursue what you're interested in. And if you do things, pursue it passionately um, and really don't look back, you know, just find things that excite you. I even think the idea of just working for free, I mean, do something that you don't even care to get paid for. You know, all the businesses I've started, I never really made any money in the companies for years, but it didn't really matter to me because I was doing what I loved and I'd worked harder than I've ever worked before. If you think back to when you're in college and you're you're a wrestler. I mean, you never got paid for wrestling, but you, you probably worked your ass off and trained like crazy. That's what it's like being an entrepreneur. There's something very rewarding about that. And then also, um, you know, just getting the experience of doing something entrepreneurial. So when I was in college, I had a window washing business. You don't have to be the next web entrepreneur or anything. Mow, if you mow lawns, wash windows, whatever it might be, just get experience doing something entrepreneurial. I think ultimately it's sort of a learned activity. Uh, a lot of people want to be entrepreneurs. They've never done anything entrepreneurial. I'm kind of like, well, if you've never done anything entrepreneurial, entrepreneurially, you're probably not an entrepreneur. So you've really just got to start having these experiences. Um, on a lighter stage, if, you, if you're not doing it yourself, I think that's why I like mentoring other people because it's a great way for me to stay engaged with what's going on. I learn a lot from the entrepreneurs. So I think even getting involved with entrepreneurial businesses, even if it's not your own, you know, whether it's from an advisory perspective, working for the company, whatever it might be. And if ultimately, if you do a good job, you'll probably end up on the management team someday. So I think it's just, you know, for me, I just like having a lot of different diversified experiences. It's a little bit like dating, you know, it's like, you know, you just go out and have a lot of dates and you don't have to marry the first girl that you meet kind of thing. Exactly. That's so true. Um, if, if you could be remembered for one thing, what would you want that legacy to uh, I mean, I think for me, I, you know, they say a lot of nice guys finish last. So for me, I've always tried to treat people well, especially treat the employees well, kind of just be sort of selfless in how I approach business. And I feel like always kind of looking out and trying to help other people if I can. I feel like that it goes a long way towards my success. And even when I was up in New York, people would say, well, Dave, you're too nice. You need to be tougher and all these things. But I was like, ultimately, that's not really who I am. So I think it's just really kind of following the passion of who you are, doing the right thing, and just trying to really inspire people that are around you. And at the end, even you know, as the entrepreneur, you're the last guy that gets paid kind of thing. And so that's the mentality that you have to have. So I hope like the people that I've affected, they've kind of seen that about me. Hopefully they carry that over to how they run their businesses, how they approach entrepreneurship versus kind of the egotistical approach or the greedy approach to entrepreneurship. I've always felt in you're giving equity to the other people in the company, really taking care of them, whether it's, you know, these events we've been talking about doing, taking them on trips, doing really nice things for them. Like we took some clients to Chamonix one year. We've taken our staff like snowboarding and hiking and all these different things. But I just really try and share my interests with them. Um, and I think that's like, 
you know, to just kind of rub off of them a little bit. And then hopefully they carry that through in the future of their careers and it makes a difference for them and other generations coming forward. Absolutely. That's so true. <clears throat> well, thanks so much for coming on the show with us today. It's been a pleasure to hear your story, hear your advice, um, and uh, just hear the inspiration that you've given today. So thank sure. you so much for joining us. And uh, can't wait to hear the, all the awesome adventures to come with uh, Peru and uh, with NomadX. All right. Hey, thank you, Marshall. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of Inside the Adventure. This is your host, Marshall Mosher, and that was the story of Dave Williams with Nomad X, who, by the way, even after successfully exiting from two of his own startups, he still probably travels on just about the same budget as when he was a scrappy entrepreneur, which goes to show that this lifestyle is more accessible than you think, which is exactly what Nomad X is going to prove. If you or someone you know has your own adventure story and would like to be featured on the show, you can contact us by visiting vestigo.co slash podcast. While on our website, you can also listen to our past episodes and subscribe to the show. Remember, your next adventure is right around the corner. The only thing stopping you is you. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week on Inside the Adventure.